3: And welcome to the uh, Always Wolves podcast. We've got our regular co hosts. We've got Paul, we've got Jason, and we've got Manny. How good you doing, guys? Good,
4: good, good. Have you and uh, Manny made
3: up? <laughs> we oh, have no. made up, yes, we have made <laughs> up. <laughs> I've, okay. got
5: my, I've got my boxing gloves under the, <laughs> under the seat for later. If you
3: don't know what we mean, watch the last uh, extra time at the end. It was hilarious. <laughs> but we are delighted to be joined today by um, Sky's one and only Johnny Phillips. Welcome to to make your debut, Johnny.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dave. Nice to see everyone, good to be here.
3: It absolutely is, and we've got loads of questions as well at the end of this podcast for Johnny directly, and I'm sure you're gonna have a lot of uh, uh, opinions on some of the uh, subjects that we're gonna cover today. We're gonna be covering Lopetegui so far. We're gonna be looking at the Wolves defense, having a bit of an analysis, and uh, as a lot of fans have been talking about playing out from the back, obviously we've got to touch on the january transfer window uh the club's uh long-term strategy the atmosphere at molyneux which seems to have been uh, a lot of fans talking about at the moment and of course we've got to look at the refereeing at the moment as well and then we've got q a uh with johnny at the end so we're going to kick off um with uh lopetegui so far we'll go with you first johnny um thanks for very much for uh for coming on the show. Before we get started, can we tell everyone about an event that you've got coming up shortly?
1: Oh, that's a nice early plug, isn't it? (laughs) it. Uh, Yeah, I've got a Wolves-Icons night with some stars of the 70s, John Richards, Kenny Hibbert and Steve Daly. We're doing that on the 7th of February at Telford. Tickets are selling really well, but there are still a few left if you want to get along to that on the Tuesday night, 7th of February. And
3: how can people get the tickets? So if they go on,
1: if they go on telfordtheatre.com, uh, and look it up. It's the Oak and Gates Theatre at the Place Theatre in Telford. And you can Google it. A simple Google search and you'll find it. It's called Wolves Icons. And you're the hosting 70s. the event. And I'm hosting the event and it should be good fun. We've got lots of uh, nice new footage uh, and some good archive and it should be it should be a good night. Brilliant. Well, make sure
3: you get onto that and we'll just remind everyone before we uh, get to the end of the show. So uh, on to Lopatagi so far. We're going to kick off uh, left to right, uh, Manny. <laughs> let's go with you what what are your thoughts
5: i think uh, quite clearly he's he's made changes i just think there's a bit more structure um uh, to the the side and um uh, we've seemed to you know the proof is in the results the the important matches especially the everton and the west ham games which were like huge huge games with teams who were struggling around us and he's somehow managed to win the, both of those games massive win you know that Eight nil goal at Everton. How big that goal is right now, and massive. Pretty much. That was that his first Premier League game. That was, you know. I'll tell you what. I was
3: literally sat up, stood on a on the chair, waving my scarf around for ten minutes after that. That was before kickoff.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely fantastic. No, you know, so that set set him up on the on the right track. It's a bit unfortunate that we've had Liverpool twice. We've had Man City. We've had Manchester. Absolute flying Manchester United so he's had to face some real tough tough games so if you take those to one side and then you look at the ones that we should have got points out of we've won both of them we went to Villa away and arguably performed better than we've performed for a couple of seasons first that half, first half imagine. the first half football was just brilliant to see so he's obviously got players buying into his ideas it'll take a bit of time and I think he probably is just concentrating on staying up. I don't think he's got any visions of like flying up the league. He just wants to um, stay up. The other thing I have to say is players have come in. Players have suddenly come in at the start of a window. When have you ever known that with Wolves on the January transfer window? We've usually gone to the last day thinking, where are the signings? And we bought what for him. And it seems like they're players that he is selecting which is well, we're going to come on a to big the, thing as well. So we're going to come on to every yeah, um, win. good impression. Seven points he's took. We only had ten, so he's nearly doubled our total. And we're at the
1: bottom three, Johnny. Yeah, I mean I agree with a lot of what Manny said there. I think um, on the pitch, on the, in the actual games, I think he's slightly more proactive than Bruno Large, who I always find reactionary on his substitutions. I think um, uh, Lapoteghi is prepared to move things around a bit more quickly, uh, and you know, and sort of try and really always seize control of the situation rather than to react to a, to a failing uh, or react to another team. I think he, I think he's quite proactive. Mm-hmm. I like that about him. I also think the players have bought into him. Uh, I think they had to, really. I didn't think they had much choice. I think the players have clearly become disillusioned under Bruno Lage, And I think um, Lopetegui has been a, a sort of galvanising force. He carries a lot of gravitas. He's certainly got a presence on the training ground. And he's brought a huge coaching staff Uh, and backroom team with him and I think that has certainly improved the mood around the place. Seven points I think that's absolutely fine. You could argue that the Villa performance was better than when we won there Uh, at 3-2 much, much better Uh, so unlucky in that sense. Won the crucial games as Manny said, the Everton one and the West Ham one. I I don't
0: really think supporters could expect too much more than that.
3: Absolutely. Paul, do you concur with that?
0: I think the positives far outweigh um, any slight drawbacks that You know, he's already taken us out of the bottom three, which is his main remit. Um, I mean, cast your mind back before Christmas. The table did not look good, did it, going into Christmas? We were bottom of the league. That win against Everton straight away has given us a bit of a platform. And I think that mini-league that's starting to develop from kind of like from below Villa, from below Palace, we're near the top of that table since the uh, league's restarted after the World Cup. Um, What I love on the side as a fan is his passion. I think he's been booked three times, hasn't he? Yeah, so he's okay, not it had has. a good impact on our disciplinary record. But you can tell that he's really invested in the project. He's not just here for a payday. He's not just here uh, to make a quick book. He's here to have an impact and to carry out his duties. So, um, yeah, obviously there's things for him to work on, like the goal scoring, which we'll probably talk about at some point. But my overall impressions are really positive And I feel really confident that he can be the person that gets us out of this mess. Just
3: before going on to Jason, because obviously... You're our resident psychologist. Do you think the fact that um, the players and the fans see that passion on the sideline, him going into battle for the team, that's really helped the psychology of the players?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a theory called social identity leadership. And if you can see that your manager has bought into the group and feels part of that group, it makes you feel more connected to everyone else in it. And I think that's definitely the case. The the cohesion, the, the teamwork was at a real low ebb. Under Bruno Lage, and he's come in and straight away brought everyone together. And when you're in a dogfight down the bottom of the table, you really need that. So, for sure, his leadership style's really facilitated that.
3: Fantastic. And Jason, how are you feeling?
4: Well, very positive now, and I think you know we, we discussed master stats seven points in five games. Um, we'd have took that before, obviously. Lopetegui took over, so that's that's fantastic, and I think it's a huge boost psychologically to 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 come out the the bottom three as we have um and you can see certain players that are really obviously not only binding to what he does but their performances have have, have somewhat improved um all across the park really and johnny's quite right and it's quite an interesting point actually about the substitutions because under large was getting a bit predictable and we was probably making the changes before him and sometimes if we go a goal down, you could see that wasn't in the plan or the remit. And I think where Lopeteg is different is he he's gotten a, almost a plaster for every cut. So if we do go a goal down or, you know, he, he, his substitutions seem to be working and seem to have changed games. So thumbs up from me. I think he's had a great start.
3: Yeah, that's the one thing that I've been quite impressed with because Bruno Large, we used to, sometimes it'd be like 80 minutes before would do it, and he was very, very reactive. Yeah. Whereas Lopatagi seems to be incredibly proactive. And the other thing as well, I mean, the, at the start of the season, Johnny, just to finish this bit, the um, the Wolves bench, you looked at the Wolves bench and it was threadbare. Now yeah. you look at the bench and you're starting to think that we've got options.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in, in, in defence of Large, you never really. Out of all the managers since sort of Nuno's time, the three of them, he was the one that probably had the weakest squad affected by injuries. So there wasn't a lot he could do about that. And uh, Lopetegui's come in. A big part of Lopetegui signing in the first place was assurances on the transfers. So that 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 that's hand in hand. It's not that they've suddenly given him a load of money. He, he wouldn't, was basically yeah, he wouldn't have come. You're back come. Absolutely, he wouldn't have come. He had a list which he presented to Matt Hobbs, uh, the sporting director of players he wanted. I don't know how many on that list he's got. I don't know whether the names... Have correlated with who's come in, but certainly uh, the players are coming in, and it, it, it's down to him. And you're right; there are options, uh, and we, we just do look a bit a bit more solid on that bench because you're right. Threadbare was the word to use. There was nobody to turn a, a game in a positive sense uh, at the start of the season, and there certainly are people now.
3: Absolutely. So generally, a thumbs up there from everyone on what's going on. <coughs> obviously, we're still early doors; it's still small baby steps. But I think what Manny said. Um, you, you know, it's about like staying in the division and then you can see where he can really take us uh, next in. Uh, what that's got put on here, um, I know this is uh, a lot of fans have get really, really frustrated with this and that's the uh, looking at the defence. I know we've brought in Dawson, um, but the playing out from the back. We'll go with you first on this one, Jason, because I know you've got views on it. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Starting with Dawson, I think that's a very astute signing by the club. On the basis that not only is an experienced defender, and knows the league very well. He also gets forward and attacks well. He's got a, a fantastic goal-scoring record for a centre-half. And I think that's what we've missed offensively. Um, where, you know, we can get someone up like like Dawson and he can pop up with a few goals this season. Um, and equally, he's not afraid to put his head in at the back. He's an old traditional centre-half. And I think that's, you know... And yeah, I've got my I love Connor Cody T-shirt on. No, you know. have you got it on? Because no, really i really love no, to see. No, it, I haven't. No, I, I've got it on. It doesn't fit anymore. But I'm serious <laughs> now. With, with, with Cody, I think at the start of the season, under large, we did miss him. Now it, 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 it's completely different. The, the defense does look more galvanized. Collins is getting better game by game. I think there may be lacked a little bit of leadership. It's young defense, and I think we'll get that out of Dawson. I am thinking now the defense. Does look better, uh, and, and I've got more confidence in Dawson. With regards to playing out from the back, I understand that's the the way football's going. I understand why they do it, but sometimes you got to look at the the mistakes are made um, uh, against City, and, and 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 it's pretty unforgivable, really, because that's a simple pass which, which under no pressure, under no pressure at all, didn't work out. They scored, and you can't listen. If you make a mistake against Man City, you're going to get punished. If you make a mistake against 80% of the Premier League clubs you're going to get punished, you know. It, so, it, it, I think a lot of us, our hearts are in our mouths, but I think it's equally down to the personnel that are doing it. So, I think, listen, and I, I mentioned this on the podcast the other night, if Martino and Neves, for example, listen, you can play a ball to them, they've got three players around them, they'll find another player. They've got the experience, the knowledge, the know-how um, uh, to do it and get out of these tight situations where some of these young defenders haven't and that's my only worry and sometimes when you play that style against a man city liverpool man united listen you put you you misplace a pass by a millimeter it could cost you a goal and i think that's the thing and then when it doesn't work out all of a sudden they hoof it up anyway and lose possession and it's back at you exactly so you just think right you know i'm sure they're practicing it every day when it works it looks great and i can see why they do it get the ball into midfield etc i i can see that but it doesn't stop your heart from being in your mouth when you've seen it happening,
3: absolutely. Now, Johnny, I really want to hear your interesting uh, thoughts and analysis on on this, in terms of like the uh, the defence and the plan out for them. But how do you see it? Is it an evolution at the moment?
1: Yeah, I think it's at very early stages. I think ultimately, what Lopetegui wants from his defence is not what he's got now, and in, in that sense, I echo Jason's thoughts on having the right personnel. The, the, the personnel to do what was happening against City isn't there yet and I think that's probably what frustrated a lot of people. I think Kilman and Collins very much in the early stages of the development uh, and, and can improve and, and should improve. They won't stay in the team if they don't. Um, Dawson is more of a traditional centre-back, as Jace was saying. You're not going to get him playing out the back or anything like that. Um, you know, he's, he's no Franco Beresi, but he's definitely a really solid Premier League <coughs> defender who will add a bit of voice and a bit of, uh, a, a bit of authority and calm in the mm-hmm. defence. I think needs must at the moment and we've got to be really careful and pick and choose when to start playing it around. Obviously, as soon as you play it out the back, it makes the pitch bigger straight away and it brings your full-backs and the, the midfielders into play and it gives you better options going forward. But the personnel needs to be spot on and it's something that perhaps needs to evolve over a
5: pre-season rather mm-hmm. than in the middle of a relegation battle.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> like and manner you thoughts. Sort of yeah,
5: think? I mean, if you look at Bueno and and Collins in particular they're young players aren't they they're young they're still learning the art of defending uh, let alone um, trying to ra- uh, you know retain possession whilst being pressed by Mares, De Bruyne <laughs> Grealish and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and everybody and it's it's a tough job and like Jay says one little mistake what didn't help was Jose Sarr made a, that was nothing to do with the defence that was just a horrific error and just if we talk about Wolves' defense, we have to also look at the goalkeeping position. Absolutely, Jose Sarr, suddenly. You know, since that Leeds game, that Molyneux, you know, when he absolutely had an aberration and we lost the game three-two, when we were dominating the game, mm. uh, it almost seems every game. Even though he produces world-class saves and he keeps us in games, he's also, you think, what the hell have you done? You know, and, and he's got a mistake in him. And why has that come about suddenly? So if that carries on, if he start, carries on making those types of mistakes, then, you know, I'm sure Lopte ain't going to be happy with that. I know we've brought in a backup goalkeeper, um, Dan Bentley, who's very, very highly rated. Bristol City fans really rate him highly. Think that he could probably, you know, play as, as a first-team goalkeeper. So maybe that'll put a bit of pressure on Sar. So if your goalkeeper isn't confident, then you can't play that system. Your goalkeeper's got to be good Mm -hmm. at doing that. Um, The only thing is, football's changed, hasn't it, over the years. When you had two men up front and two wingers, you had more channels to aim aim at. When you've got a lone centre forward, it's no good lumping the ball to a lone centre forward who generally doesn't play in the air anymore anyway. So we haven't got that type of player to lump the ball to, so you can understand why they do it, because retaining possession, you do retain possession more when you do it, but... Against sides like City and Liverpool who press you so high, you've got to have the, the other option as well. You've got to mix it up, haven't you? It's a bit like you know when we talk about corners, don't we? Short corner, long corner. You've got to mix it up. You can't just yeah. do one all the time and, and keep flogging it if it's not working. Mares and Grealish were so high on the fullbacks oh, that then. Jose Sarr only oh. had Collins and Hillman as an option. That's all he had. So the midfield weren't there. So, you know, maybe Nunes needs to play that because he's a ball carrier. He can receive the ball, turn, and carry the ball forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pass it to other players apart from just your center I think arcs. that's
3: generally what they're trying to do because when they're <coughs> pushing around at the back, they're trying to draw them on to create the space. For Nunez, is a ball-carrier mm-hmm. midfielder to take the ball at the spit and, and then obviously create the, uh, the attack. Um, for me, they just tend to be when I I don't mind the playing around at the back and passing it around and stuff but I don't think they move it quick enough at times and and then don't, the decision when to go they hesitate and maybe that's a confidence a lot thing. of the
5: time the ball goes back to Sar so it goes to Sar to Kilman to Colin and then back to Sar yeah. because oh what do we do with it now I'll oh, just give it back to him again and and so it just shows you that they haven't even though they're being encouraged to do that, they just don't know how to play the system. And
4: when yet. we give away a corner or a throw-in, a throw as good as a corner sometimes. If you got a long throwing taker, so we're just giving away possession and putting the opposition a ball straight into the box. So you know that's the worrying thing. Matt really makes an interesting point on it, where goalkeepers are more you know a, a, a part of the team before your, your formation four four two four three three four two four, but now it's one four four two or mm. one five three two. So well, that's that good. Um, but, yeah, so it's interesting now how goalkeepers have integrated as a, as a real part of the team, whereas before actually, keep keeper.
3: Well, they're like sweeper keepers, aren't they? Absolutely. They're expected to play football and be able to pass it out. And, you know, when a keeper does make a mistake, in fairness to Jose Sarr and any keeper, really, it's the one position that you really can get punished with. It, now, he has, I mean, you look, I mean, the question has got to come because we talked about this. He's made probably positional for the Liverpool uh, goal he was he gave it away against West Ham we got away with it you know he has made quite a few mistakes oh, it's not just a one off is it it seems yeah. to be a
4: a thing and, at the moment and equally, he, he could you know could he's going to start losing confidence i think it's it's quite another astute sign in bringing Bentley in someone who's been playing first team games as opposed to Sarkic that hasn't putting Sarkic out on the line to play first team games as well just gives us greater cover
3: absolutely paul um again to you in terms of like, is this a psychological thing with a mistake with Jose? I mean, or is it not confidence in his defenders? What, what, what is it?
0: Probably is, because as everyone said, you know, it's, it's, it's not one isolated error, is it? And it kind of breeds further, lower confidence. So it probably is, to some extent, a, a psychological problem. I also think with him, it's a slight technical issue. If you look at him, I think he can only kick with his right foot, right. first of all, yeah. okay, so he never uses his left, and he's only got the one way that he passes, so he tends to pa- pass across his body. So that straight away limits where our attacks start from to half the pitch. Um, but for me, overall, with this playing out from the back business, it comes down to balance, and is not gonna turn them into amazing ball players overnight, as Johnny said, you know, that's a, a summer thing to work yeah. on. But what he can teach them is the right time to, to do it, you know, pick and choose the times. I've been frustrated at times when we've played teams who play really high lines defensively against us, yeah. and we don't look to exploit quickly what in the behind. The pace that we've got. Yeah, and Liverpool's a prime example. They're notorious for playing a high line, and we play into their hands almost by uh, drawing them drawing them onto us and allowing us allowing them to box us in. And we, sometimes we've got to be prepared to be a bit more traditional and a bit more ugly and just play it in behind sometimes and get yourself up the pitch. So um, balance is the key thing, and I think they've got to work on Saar's ability either to use his left foot or open up a different passing lane with his right foot.
4: And what position was Lopetegui? He was a keeper. So that's surely an advantage in in the development of Saar as well.
0: Well, I would
3: think so. And and, and obviously the signing of... uh, We're going to move on to the January transfer window, and it brings us on quite nicely, because Dan (coughs) uh, Bentley signed yesterday from Bristol City... He's got over 400 uh, league games under his belt. He's, he's worked his all the way up from League 2, League 1, Championship. Apparently, he's a good penalty stopper as well. He's saved 13 penalties. He's saved two in a playoff final uh, for, um, I think it was Southend against Wickham. And he was talking to Wolves uh, about how it's been his dream to earn the right to be part of the Premier League. Now, he said that he knows he's not coming in directly, but he's there to put <coughs> pressure. Um, on uh, Jose which is hopefully going to improve him as well as Dan Bentley himself um, Dan Bentley as a sign-in what do you think?
1: It's an interesting one I've seen quite a bit we see the lad at Brentford he used to be a at Brentford. In Brentford, yeah. I saw a lot of him then in the, in, when he was at Brentford and all that and there were games where he was absolutely phenomenal uh, and I just remember I remember going through one season watching Championship Football for Soccer Saturday thinking this is the best keeper outside the Premier League he was phenomenal and then Within a couple of years, he was starting to make more mistakes, and I thought, right, that's why they haven't touched him in, in the Premier League yet. That's why, you know, there would be the odd things Thanks, Johnny. And <laughs> I think, so I could see, I could see, I was, see I, went, I, went, yeah, I went through a period thinking, why is no one touching him? Why is no one taking a punt? Mm. To thinking, ah, oh, that's why they're not taking yeah. a punt. Uh, and I think if you speak to supporters of the clubs he's been at, they would probably say, yeah, he, ha- he has had a rick in his locker. Mm. He's got more and more experienced. Um but in terms of natural ability, from what I've seen of him, and I've, I've seen quite a bit of him firsthand, he's really, really good keeper. I mean, it does beg the question, you know, we had John Ruddy here in the summer, it's rather a rather roundabout way of going back to a keeper who's well, had lots of championships. Well, Hobbs
3: has actually said that, yeah. about actually bringing more leaders back into the yeah. dressing room. And he has said when he's um, talked about Dan Bentley, we're going to go into the others, he's actually said that he's a leader-type person in the,
1: yeah. the in the ilk of mm. John Ruddy. Well, there you go, yeah. So it does sort of, make the summer's transfer strategy slightly ham-fisted in, in, in appearance but yeah I would say a, a keeper like Sarkic is really highly rated but needs to be playing football yeah. being replaced by someone Bentley's experience who brings something to the dressing room and it is a good thing overall. and
3: Tony Roberts apparently has had a major influence on this although you're quite said earlier on about was it on Lopetegui's list was it on their list all of the transfers pretty much sort of come in Matt Hobbs has spoken about was pretty much on both lists when they stood, stood down. But this one, Tony Roberts has been following him for about five or six years and wanted him at Swansea as well. So he's had a big say in that.
1: Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, and t- Tony Roberts will certainly know the keepers that are out there. I mean, the, the goalkeeping coaches are really on top of that. And they know every keeper that's everywhere. Um, going back to the point about that with with every signing so far, there seems to be either Hobbs or Lopetegui's side saying, oh yeah, he's on both our lists sort of thing. It's very, I think maybe there's a slight pr um, exercise, exercise yeah. going on to make it look like that everyone's singing up. from the yeah. same hinge sheet which is great and i suppose they have to because it wasn't so long ago and i remember it vividly there was a huge amount of criticism for uh, scott sellers for jeff shee and the transfer strategy over the yeah. summer there was a real you know the, the club were coming in for a lot of flack despite having a history under first of spending good money so I wonder if, if they're slightly going the other way now and just trying to put this great big PR offensive out there, sort of saying, yeah, it's joined up thinking, unbelievably, everyone Lopataini wants, so does Matt Hobbs. And it, I, I doubt it's like that, but certainly, um, you know, you t- take, them on, take them on the value for what they're saying.
3: Absolutely. And Paul, uh, what stands out for you so far in this January window?
0: Yeah, um, I've been really impressed with Mario Lamina, actually. Um, I thought he made a big difference when he came on against West Ham. Uh, lots of ball recoveries, but also quite progressive with his passing. Uh, we've needed a player of his ilk for a long time. Um, so I think he's looking to be a really good acquisition. And, and actually in the hour that he played against Man City, I thought he was one of our better players. And I can only think he was taken off, you know, to save his legs or whatever for the, for the next game. So he's standing out for me. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Sarabia can offer. Um, his Portuguese um, my Portuguese friends talk about him very highly from his spell at Sporting Lisbon last season and the stats bear that out 21 Um, goals 10 assists something like that wasn't it we all know what our problem is and hopefully he can go some way to addressing that and against Man City although he didn't quite have that end product he he was in a good position for a header Mm -hmm. and he was looking to come in and uh, affect things on his left foot from that right hand side so I'd be very surprised if he doesn't start one of the, the things that he's
3: actually said as well in his interview, that he likes to be in and around the penalty area. You know, He's not an out-and-out striker as such, but he likes to create and score goals. And I think we sort of signed on that, like you said, at the uh, Man City game.
0: We have. I mean, we've got some really good technical players, but what we need is players that can hurt other teams and actually have an impact. And hopefully, and, f- and for the fee that we've got him for as well, it's it's real like, low-risk transfer So, I'm excited to see what he can bring, and I've been impressed by Lamina's early appearances.
5: Fantastic. Manny, over to you, your thoughts. Sarabia and Dawson cost us 8 million quid between the two. It's unreal, isn't it? um, Considering, you know, Gedez, you know, 30 odd million. Silver last year, was it a year before that, 35 million. Some of the money we've, like, really just almost thrown away <laughs> let's be honest we have thrown it away but silver anyway. you know they might silver might come good but we have that 70 million quid there so eight million quid you're getting two players and straight away Sorabia for me he was in the box he was in the box he wasn't just a winger he was in the box and he actually talked in his interview about getting closer getting closer to the penalty area if you if you want to score you've got to be in the penalty area Wow, what a eureka <laughs> moment. That. You know, imagine our forwards thinking that. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. but it, it, and he showed it. He got in. for the, That cross came in. And he was the one darting to the near post to try and get a header in. Um, in that first half, our, none of our forwards got anywhere near the penalty area. Mm. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him. I hope um, Lopetegui seems to like have put his faith in Huang Jimenez and Triore for a few games now. And bar the odd goal from Raul, it doesn't look like it's working. So, Pedence has to start. He oh. scored nearly half our goals. And Sarabia, the new signing, has to start. We've lost Boubacar already. so Lamina coming Shout in.
3: about that a lot. Yeah, team, he's a good
5: player, but Lamina coming in, yeah. who can tackle, get about and, and, and win the ball. So that's, that's a really good signing as well. So, it seems like they're making signings that it's not all about going to you know the big leagues or the big teams and just buying the best players for lots and lots of money. Uh, they <coughs> literally and those three players: Lamina, Sarabia, and, and um, Dawson. And Dawson, possibly, probably, could be our best signing because the situation we're in. You know, when you look at where we're in, and we're in the mire, yeah. and we're, we're bottom of the league. You need. Proven, experience, know-how, get around the young players, GM up, and he mentioned, you know, mentioned the Conor Cody word. But that's what we... He's well, our, our Conor Cody replacement, isn't he? Let's a be honest. A bit
3: like the goalkeeper's our Ruddy <laughs> replacement. Yeah, he
5: is, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, that transfer strategy was... we You know, a lot of leaders went. A lot of experienced pros. So Dendonka, Bowley, Saïs... So Ruddy, Cody, they got rid of a lot of experienced players and now it seems like we're, let's bring some in again so you can't blame Lopetegui because he wasn't there back then when those decisions were made but he has quickly realised we need more experience even Lamina, you know he's been in the Premier League before and um, uh, so far so good but it can't end here because we need somebody to put the ball in the back of the net
3: Absolutely, now interesting that you um... You say on Dawson because obviously I did uh, I, I, when it was announced. I always did a video on the new players, and so many West Ham fans commented on that. Some in tears, gutted, look after, and they call him Ballon Dawson apparently over in West Ham. We probably <laughs> will we'll be calling him Les Dawson you know, next week. You know, he, ca- he went to West Ham, and there were like who, and over the last two or three years, most West fans say he's been their best and most consistent player, and they're basically they they wished him well. Yeah, um, but they are gutted. So that's, that, that says a lot about the guy.
2: List to find out if it's right for you.
3: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um,
4: yeah, Jason. I think Johnny on when... Uh, Lopetegui took the job, or initially when he first turned us down, and obviously there was a story about his father. Um, I don't think in the first meeting he was given those assurances, and I think it was he made it quite clear then to the club that he needed investment. He, he knew which players he wanted, and you know to get the manager of Lopetegui's uh, reputation, that they, 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 they've, they've invested, and I, you know I think it's been a good window. Uh, we've got the experience of Dawson, the experience of Sarabia as well, I mean, I think he's 30-31. 30. So 30, so once again, you know, very experienced Same Fair when Matinho came, well, well. same sort of thing. And uh, interestingly, Moutinho and Neves, clearly it's this is going to be the last season. Um, I'd be very, very surprised for both players if it wasn't. So I think that's naturally why we, 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 uh, we've been, obviously, strengthening and bolstering the midfield. Couldn't agree more with Manny. Um, centre forward, someone to put the ball in the net. Pedem to me, he's got to start every week. He's our most likely out, you know, out for a goal. But I just think we we really do need a centre forward, and that that that's evident. Um, Costa for me, at his age, having eight nine months out of the game, it's difficult to obviously come back into the pace of the Premier League and be effective. Raúl is looking sharper. He's getting there. He absolutely is, and, you know, he scores... He scored a
3: great goal. He got disallowed. Just offside.
4: Um, Well, most of our goals are disallowed, aren't they? And
3: he was in the six-yard box for the Forest. Listen... And that was Cooner that knocked that cross. Great ball across. Uh,
4: And we've missed that massively, but we, we do need someone pretty prolific to score goals. However, listen, every club in the league wants that. So we're no different to any other club. It's just that we've been starved of goals um so yeah overall it's a good window we can't complain it looks like we're going to eventually free joe gomez well we need to
3: come on to talk about joe Gomez, don't we because this is the uh you know he's like he's in uh is in jail or something over in no, brazil
4: well we're at the Mount hotel we've all just seen him downstairs let's <laughs> be honest we haven't we haven't we haven't <laughs> he's very
3: highly rated isn't he wolves are putting the offer leon's coming from up the anchor they've sent every single ambassador that they can to try and persuade him he seems to be putting cryptic clues out <laughs> the on been the here every... <laughs> uh wolves apparently are now considering just going up but obviously they don't want to necessarily but because they've already made an offer um, but I guess we'll find out in the next few days uh, whether that happens. But I think it's swinging back towards yeah. Flamengo I hope I have said that right. You know that they, they want. I think they're expecting him to go. Um, but he's very highly rated, and he's also seen as a Neves replacement long term, isn't he? Because he's young, and we know. And, and these midfielders <clears> that are coming in. Obviously, there's going to be people going out in the summer. Probably, like you say, the likes of Neves, Martinho and stuff like that. There is a a bit of an evolution going on. What are your thoughts on the Joe Gamma? Have you heard anything more yourself?
1: No, I haven't heard anything on the player in particular. I know that South America is an, an area that we're, we've been looking to expand into for some time. Matt Hobbs spent a lot of time there uh, last year in 20, yeah, 2022, doing a lot of trips over to South America. And I, I think Wolves were actively trying to broaden their horizons in the transfer market and become less reliant on, on, on George Mendez and his sort of pool of players. Um, so it would it would fit in with that. As for the player himself, I don't know much about him. I'll be brutally honest with you, uh, or how likely it is that he can uh, that wolves can bring him over here. He can here. be freed. Yeah, he's, he's almost the. You know, the only thing I would worry is that. If it does eventually happen, there's been such a campaign on. <laughs> it, oh, it the, the, expectations to, the expectations are going to be so high. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he, he could be hopeless, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, so I do feel sorry for the lad that he's been sort of this um, social media campaign seems to be paving the way in front yeah. of him. Uh, but who knows, who knows what. Yeah, you there'll, be, know there'll
4: be a the, fanfare when he arrives. You just know the launch video, do There'll you? probably be he's an open top bush too, well, oh, yeah. it. I think, if you look, I don't think he's been in Flamingo squad the past couple of games, and it's indicating that he, the player's aiming for a move, and we're the most likely people to sign him, so we've got five days to go. So it is looking increasingly more likely, I think. Well, we'll know
3: very soon. Just uh, before we move on from the uh, the transfer window, um, outgoings, are we expecting any, just any, you, any more? Do you heard anything about the Triora situation? Because he's literally can start talking. He's been apparently talking to some clubs in Serie A, Napoli and Atalanta. Do we expect that uh, anyone else might go in the transfer window that you've heard of? I
1: don't know. I mean,. Possibly, yeah, because that's the way Wolves operate, very late, even though they've done a lot of early business, they do operate right up to the wire without goings as well. I'd be, I'd be sad to see Triori go, yeah. um, you know, he's unique and um, he doesn't always deliver, but I think for, for spectators you want to see something unique, you want to see something different, and he's certainly that. Uh, I always, every time Traore plays, I always think, well, something might happen here. Yeah. And he, I'm, not, I'm not saying it does these days, but I'd still rather have him in the squad. I'd always have him in the squad, always have him, even if he's not playing, I'd always have him on the bench. Uh, I think if he goes, you know, we'll probably look back and think we had, we had some great moments with him, but... He has not some, enough? Possibly not enough. I'd, I'd just love, I'd love him to, you know, fulfil what's there. I'd love him to unlock something. Well, uh,
3: seems to like him. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and the Wolves apparently have offered this contract and he's still not signed this, this contract. Um, and it's sort of dragging on. So I guess we'll find out. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up, someone, someone comes in with an offer, he,
4: he might go. I, I personally think we've saw the best of him. And I, I do, because we're all hoping to see that world beater, which evidently I think he played his best football under now. And I think if anyone can get the best out of him, it's Lopetegui with the Spanish link, etc. But for me, May, maybe we should have cashed in when he was being touted around for 50, 60
5: million quid. Because right, an uh, absolute mess of that Barcelona deal, oh, yeah, let's be honest.
0: But on, on that as well, though, we seem to have learned from it because we weren't paying any of his weight. Um, we didn't ask for a contribution for his wages, did we? Mm. But uh, Guedes... Uh, <laughs> signalled his intention that he didn't want to be here yeah. we've got rid of him quickly, quickly yeah. and Benfica are paying all of his wages
4: yeah. who's good is his agent
0: not sure um, but um, <laughs> that'll explain the fee also with, with Fabio Silva as well we've managed to get a little fee I think for him because he switched broken his loan contract did the
3: Anderlecht change manager or something like that and he's just fell down? I
0: think they've just been not doing very well mm. Anderlecht Has he started
3: off like a scene train, he did. PSV
0: are paying his wages and Kiana Hoover's wages, even though they've terminated the loan agreement, so we seem to have toughened up our stance yeah. with some of the outgoings, which pleases us as fans because there was uproar <laughs> about that Traoré deal to Barcelona. There, they? didn't we? The Barcelona,
3: so speak, yeah, then they just basically took had him, and then he's back again. This is the reason why I get a little bit frustrated with Traoré. They they let him go. They followed his, what he wanted to do: go back home to go to Barcelona. It didn't work out at that point for me you should have signed a new contract because they they helped and, and that frustrates me a little bit but i'm right like with you johnny I'd, I'd like we had this debate on the way to the match against city and you're like oh try I was like well today today did it twice before and i'm like that you go don't you think and then
5: at the end, i think point, at best under lopetegui and the way lopetegui plays he's a 15 minute impact sub. yeah i don't think there's much more literally um, you know, Lopatagi held his hands up. He picked the wrong line up, he said. You know, that set up was wrong. Those three players from the start were wrong. And he changed all three at half time. He just made it. That's the biggest admission, isn't it? That I've got it wrong. I think
4: these games with or where we, we do believe he's going to be that will beater that few and far between two or three times a season. But he can turn a game on its head. You know, he can surprise us all. Mm. But I, I just think we've seen the best out of him. Um, he's a bit of a luxury player almost because if you've got a player like that and you, you, you're hoping that you're going to get something out of him, week, in,
5: week I'm going to call him not. Every because he sometimes doesn't deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: calling him <laughs> the ogle. I'll tell you what. Come on. You can have a luxury
0: player on the bench though.
2: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, on the, the bench. Yeah, but does you he want,
1: can... Would you want to play on the bench? Yeah. yeah. Week in, week yeah. out. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. He um, could have no
0: complaints if he's on the bench because he hasn't been delivering and. I was sat at Man City like, quite high up in the, in the right-back position, so I was level with Samedo and him. And there were so many times during the match where he hid when Samedo had the ball, where he could have offered out wide or short or over the top, and he didn't make any run. Oh. You know I was what? really disappointed with that.
5: I have to say about Triore's makeup because he's really bulky and he's big, you have to take that into consideration. You know when Triore makes a sprint, when he sprints for the ball, he's sprinting faster than anybody on that pitch. The recovery, recovery rate yeah. after sprinting cool, is horrific. Yeah. He's not a runner, so he's not one that's... People say, why isn't all right?" He's not a runner. He can't run. He's yeah. not going to run around the pitch and get, and get into position. He's basically give him the ball and then see an explosion, and then he needs recovery, mm-hmm. so he's not going to chase yeah. back and run and get in positions because he physically and, can't yeah, do it. Yeah, but
3: sometimes people say oh he's lazy <coughs> yeah. and you're right because we've had this conversation before he's a sprinter, he's not a, he's he, not a, he a marathon he re- uses his energy and then he has to recover yeah. and that's why you don't want him back in our thirds you know, trying to run the ball out well, before we get on to the to the next thing we should talk, you know, Daniel Pedence as, the, you know, for me he's probably player of the year so far you know, I was disappointed he didn't start and you made um, an interesting thing about who's done the most crosses do you want to cover that off? because that will bring us on to um, someone who's just coming back.
0: Yeah, I mean we were talking about goals and chance, chance creation earlier, um, and I did a bit of delving into this before the show, and I went on the official Premier League, um, fancy Premier League app, and you can look at who's put the most crosses in. Uh, I think Kieran Trippier's top with over a hundred crosses, as you'd probably expect, and I think Alexander Arnold's up there as well. And I was scrolling through, thinking, well, where's I? A a uh, I went down to the second page, <laughs> the and near, second, the, <laughs> the, page. Yeah. And near it, the bottom, we're
4: actually on the second page. Yeah, it was Johnny Cox basically.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's Robbie Dennison. but yeah, halfway down that page, uh, our player who's put the most crosses in is a player who's not played since West Ham in October, and that's Pedro Neto. So, it just you know, we're wondering about where the goals are well, if the ball's not coming into the box, that's where you score goals normally. Yeah. So I just thought, I was flabbergasted by that stat, that the person who's put the most crosses in from our team hasn't played since October.
3: And, uh, and Pedence, who we talked about, put, I think, an Instagram story out yesterday, and Pedro Neto was with the group and stuff, yeah. so he's getting close. So mm. he's almost going to be like a brand new signing yeah. when he comes in as well. And, and you know, so... Uh, how far, do you know... Two, three, four weeks max?
0: Hopefully it's February, but I hope that um, Lopetegui uses him in a different way to what Large wanted. You put him on the wrong side, didn't he? Yes. I want to see him out out on the left where he was playing so well under Nuno, running at his full-back. That's his strength. Large wasn't getting the best out of him, so hopefully, like you say, he could be like the old cliche, like a new signing.
3: Absolutely. Right, well, we're going to go on to the next one. Um, Something that you sent on for the agenda, which I think is quite an interesting one. And that's cl- the club's long-term strategy. What are your,
1: th- your thoughts on that? I just think it's been an interesting season because if you go back to the summer, there were a lot of noises being made um, about how Wolves were going to be uh, self-sustaining, and it was going to be they were reining in the sort of um, the spending, and they were trying to generate th- their own income. And then all of a sudden, as the summer ended, there was a huge outlay on players, and then we've had a change of manager. And a huge outlay on him and his coaching staff and more of an outlay on players. And I just think it's fascinating the way um, that the way that's changed or the messaging has changed and yeah. turned around uh, and seeing where the club are going. And we are, as we sit here now, if you think back to it, so although we're continuing to spend money, we are as far away from the top as we've ever been in the Premier League under Fosun. I remember, and he probably... Probably wishes he hadn't said this, but I remember Jeff Sheet saying, you know, he, want, he wants to challenge you up at the very top. I want to be compared to City eventually and all the rest of it. And we're a long, long way away from that. Nuno sort of touched the, the ceiling that you, you have to sort of break through to get into the top four, but never never really threatened it. And we're, we're miles away from the best under Nuno. But we're continuing to spend money uh, and we're continuing to invest. So it makes me think, well, Fosner are 100% invested in the club. Um, but the long-term strategy, uh, is it still the same or are they going to have to temper that, realising that breaking into that top, top bracket is just nigh on impossible? And, you know, it, it requires probably a, a lot more money than... than there have been talk about other
3: investors. And, and I think that, that will
1: happen. And I, I do, I think, I think um, Fosn are very open to investment. I, I, I think they've, they've been having, you know, meetings with... Middle Eastern backers, uh, potential investors and I think they're incredibly open to that sort of thing and I know away from the pitch on the the non-football side of it they've had investment um, from peak six in America and other other, um, groups involved with esports and other elements of it I know that's a completely different thing from investing on the pitch but I'm just fascinated in where the club's long term strategy is when we've had this sort of sort of
5: bumpy road within the Premier League in the last couple of years absolutely something has suddenly changed hasn't it let's be honest because it was pretty clear after watching these Ask Wolves interviews as well over the summer you know it was pretty clear that we have to be self-sustaining that maybe someone like Ruben Neves everyone was expecting him to leave for a big fee and then reinvest that money and buy players here we are Neves is still there and we've bought I'd Honestly, I can't believe how many players we've bought really and the money we've spent. It's it's touching like two hundred million quid, you know. Cunha, we haven't obviously seen him on the in the side from the start. In the so that's a huge amount of
4: money. Have that we spent isn't... more than Arsenal and City. I saw. So, yeah, we have spent
5: we literally. Right yeah, oh yeah, spenders, City have hardly yeah. spent like you know they they bought one player, which is an absolute freak, <laughs> and that <laughs> and that will do for them. But um, uh, yeah, something's changed. So. Am I? Uh, it got me thinking that has there already been fresh investment? Yeah. Has there already been somebody who said, "This is a, we will invest if we see obviously some ambition from you guys as well"? They don't want to put into a club that's going to, you know, buy, sell, and then buy. And um, and it seems like something has happened. And, and obviously Wolves haven't made any announcements or anything, but I'm pretty sure already there's fresh investment. But remember, that's what Fosin are, investment company. They will always look for capital. They will always talk to people. They will always grow themselves by not using their own money. That's how they're successful. They use other people's money, you know, and, and get them into the group. And, and that seems to have happened. And And I hope now they can redirect just a tiny portion of that money and improve some of the facilities at Molyneux as well that's a you good know. point actually they, um... because if we fail on the pitch now you can't say it's down to the lack of investment you can't this season can you do you think they've also spent.
3: like been shocked because obviously you know up until February last year Bruno Lars we I remember going to Arsenal away yeah. winning 1-0 um, it was a game and we were pushing even, thinking about top Mm. four at that time. We were fifth when that goal went in, 1-0. And then they got the equaliser, and then saw you know, he tried to palm it away, but he palm it into the game, they win the game 2-1, it was, you know. And and then it just, the rest of the year, just seemed to, other than um, the result against Villa, it just went down and down and down, and then obviously, I think they were quite confident going into maybe this year, okay, reset, There's a lot of arguments like what you said about Bruno Large, you you know, he'd had a lot of injuries, it sort of bought him extra time. And then they've made all the changes in the summer and we've had such a bad start and it's like, if you get relegated out of the Premier League, all that investment that they've put in Mm -hmm. up to this point, it's back to square one again. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, we may need to strengthen. What's your
0: thoughts? I think any investment has been long overdue. I mean, ever since we've been promoted, really, it's been... Neves, Matinho, and Dendonka as our midfield yeah. three up until this season. So and the
3: back three was the, uh, pretty much the same as well.
0: Exactly. So any, um, any funds that we've, that we've spent you know, over relatively recent times have been generated through the Jota sale and spent on um, Fabio Silva, Samedo. Other than that, really, we haven't spent a, a huge amount. So it was needed. And I agree with you, actually. I think some alarm bells have been ringing since, probably since March, April last year. And they've thought, okay, all the stuff that we've done to get here, it's going to go out the window if if we drop down. So I don't want to say the panic button's been pressed, but they've been forced into taking urgent action, and it has been it has been needed for a long time.
3: And do you think that comes from the chairman, uh, from Jeff being maybe a little bit? I mean, he's not, nice chap. He's quite quiet and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And think maybe because if, if you don't invest in the Premier League. You, you go backwards. I mean, well,
4: where do you, I think when Jeff originally made that comment about competing with City? on now, at the start of the season, I thought you meant Bristol City. Because <laughs> they, but I, listen, on a serious note, um, the investment has been evident. They have backtracked clearly on what they said. Where um, it, the, the club was going to be self-sustaining, um, they've, they've, they've spent a lot of money. But the players have spent a lot of money on. There was a massive, massive reliance on Mendes, and I think with these overinflated fees, which comes with dealing with Mendes, I think they've got to look beyond him. Um, Mendes, you know, unless it's Ronaldo, he's not going to have interest in a player mid to late thirties, and you know, he, he 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 wants the young players coming through. He wants this uh, from, from 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 abroad um, with these fees, and I just think we've invested very wisely. This summer, So I just think maybe and hopefully the moving away from him. Yes, it was great to sign certain players like Patricia for the price we did back in the day and matinho and Neves and finding these gems. But equally, he was chucking a few Duffins in as well. And then you've got to look at Silver and Guedes and the money we've spent on them is quite frightening, especially when you look that we have been spending more money than Arsenal and City and we're a club that was staring relegation in, in the face. Yes, it was early doors, um and, but we're still in you know we're still in and around it now oh, yeah. and you've got to think of, of the consequences of relegation you've only got to look at if a club like Everton goes down a club like Wolves goes down first couple of seasons uh focusing in the Premier League when we you know two seventh place finishes clearly punching above our weight to get anywhere near that there is going to be a huge level of investment when you talk about the facilities with regards to the stadium it's a chicken and egg scenario do you know especially from the supporter base point of view. If we start building standards, we should be investing on the pitch. But listen, the investment on the pitch has been evident. Um, so yeah, it, it, I just think we need to move away from, from the reliance and, and the money that we're pumping to Mendes.
3: To use an analogy, really, it's going back to like when they were just taking the short corners all the time. It's predictable, to predictable. You need variety, you need different options. Mendes is still gonna be there. Yeah. you know, they, I mean, you know, they've got, an. of have got an investment in Guestitude, haven't they, anyway, yeah. but like, it's good to see, like you're saying, then looking at the South American market, we're brought yeah. in two British players as well in this window, so there's a bit of options there, and the fans were getting really, really frustrated, we've talked about it on this podcast, you know, you know, we, we, striker situation before ral got injured, which we
5: were saying, if he ever gets injured, we're in trouble. We're pretty much in the same situation now, aren't we? You know, we're, on course to have our lowest goal scoring season why do you do history. it every podcast in the right history <laughs> in, the history, of in the history of all I think it's 23 oh. is that the lowest we've ever yeah. scored we've only got to 12
3: what and the, has got 5 we've passed we've passed what, 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 what halfway I was I
4: stuck the other day so uh, Premier League clubs centre forwards scoring yeah. goals yeah we haven't had a a centre-forward score a league goal for 12 months. Since
0: March, Watford at home last
5: year. Watford at home, a a centre-forward has only scored, has scored no goals Mm. in front of the South Bank last year. (laughs) The one I heard was (laughs) that... Sorry, guys. Erling Erling (laughs) Haaland, with his left foot, has scored three more goals than Wolves (laughs) all season. Early Harling with his left nostril has left. scored three
4: more goals. He is, he is a beast. <laughs> and that's, the statric, said, that's the easy stat trick. I said this yeah. that's the easy stat trick he'll ever score in his career, by the way.
3: Now we have got to say because we, you know, when we all try and reflect the mood and stuff like that, and you know, we've been panicking and we're worrying. Where's the investment? they need to go, You know, what's happening? The, the managerial situation, and everything went on, and it's like it was really scary. But you do have to give Fosum some credit. I've always like tried to say, look at what they've done. When people are doing all this Foson out, it's like. Oh. Hello, give your head a wobble. Look where they took us from, and look where we are now. Yeah, maybe their strategy has had to make a change, but they have listened, and they they've gone to Lock and Tag and they are backing the manager, and they are investing the funds. So, as you rightly said, they're still very invested. Mm. In, hugely.
4: In yeah, they are. And I've said there's not a queue of billionaires waiting yeah. to buy Premier League clubs, and Everton are going to, you know, they've just gone up for sale, haven't they? And, and they're probably expecting someone to pump three, four hundred million into it. It's not going to happen, and there isn't this steady flow of billionaires. These are now, people, you have got to be very, very careful. What, what you, you wish, you wish for. for, yeah. And and they do seem to listen. I think these ask walls that, that Johnny does. Um, Johnny's been a part of. I think they do show transparency, just because they're not. How coming many out. clubs have done that? Well, really? But, but just because they're not coming out every week, and social media is a different world now to, to as it was six or seven years ago, where the club would be putting a lot more information out. And now that answer, it's a done deal. But it comes out then through other channels. So I think Fosen you know, have, have, I think like jo- a Johnny,
5: um, uh, the point you made, like there's this PR thing. It's you know when Cunha was signed, the, the person they had. Alongside him on the training ground was Matt Hobbs, and Matt Hobbs actually said to him, The project is back. The players all think the project is back, and that was complete PR, wasn't it? That was showing it to the fans that we now care. You know, you had this seller's figure that you didn't like and you never heard of, and you know, after the Dalrymple and Thelwell days, we had no communication with the fans, so suddenly Matt Hobbs is being a bit vocal. And he's doing a few interviews, and he was on Twitter today, I think, doing an interview. So it seems like there's a conscious decision that they've actually listened to the fans and thought, "Oh, the fans ain't happy with us not talking and to them." I don't think he yeah, was that's...
4: afraid to make decisions. I, I, with Scott Sellers, for example, I, you know, if 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 Large hadn't been sacked, and you know, he hadn't been sitting there with his dry whiteboard, and we hadn't all give him loads, I think he still might be. In a position somewhere in the club personally i might be wrong i think he was
3: was offered another position where he decided you know
1: he wanted to get out really and it was so i
4: i just think now that that you know they are they aren't afraid of of making a decision yeah
1: i felt for scott because he wasn't he wasn't perhaps the he wasn't perhaps the uh the overall had the overall responsibility that perhaps Mm -hmm. fans thought he had Um, certainly he, he got a great reputation for the work he did with the academy yeah. and at academy level. We see the him now got Ibiza, yeah. Buenos. So was, many players, and going he did a work. he did a fantastic job there. I think Matt Hobbs, as you sort of alluded to, is a better communicator, perhaps yeah. in public, yeah. and I think that's one of the things that have um, that, that, that's helped him yes. in his rise to this level. Um, yeah. That he's probably a, a little bit better communicator than Scott, who just just naturally wasn't hmm. particularly in, in the communication business, it wasn't his role, and I think that probably counted against him, um, you know, whereas Matt Hobbs is far more comfortable with a microphone thrust underneath him, yeah. uh, definitely. I mean, when you, when you talk about the foes-and-out crowd, does that still exist? Is there, is there a well, how? Is there I think a it's less so, no. Because I, I'd be astonished, yeah. you know, oh, listen, when you look at the evidence. Is. But they're not gonna show you that, you know, social media, for example, the
4: foes-and-out crowd are there, but you're not gonna see people's faces, so it could be anyone naturally put it in but they do exist but equally if it was top of the league why aren't we in the champion why aren't we winning the champions league why haven't we got this why haven't we signed in why haven't we signed that it's never ending it's never ending it never so,
3: please everyone that's the, yeah, the, night, the the nature of the beast of to be fair can't. but I mean that's quite an interesting uh one to talk to obviously we'll have to see if there's any more changes at the top uh end of the uh in the boardroom f- uh, for next season
1: but I think you- there will be yeah, yeah, I think the I think Johnny knows something. No, no, some no. Some I'm just saying. I think. Oh. Well. <laughs> I
4: mean,
1: I have heard.
0: Come on, the news is
3: coming <laughs> in. <laughs> no, I've heard that Jeff might be moving. Yeah. Think, moving moving a, yeah. and moving, uh, and we'll have a new a new chairman who might be uh, have been something to do with Grasshoff as well, maybe. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> well, you started a little bit of a thing, haven't you?
1: What's this?
3: Well, Johnny put out an article in the Express and Star which is a fantastic article atmosphere, about yeah. the New atmosphere and it's a really good read and it, as I say Johnny does a, a column every week yeah. for the Express and Star and then following that Russell because I'm on the Match Day Experience group puts in the WhatsApp group your article All right. so this is where it all come from basically so we talk, put it in the team it's a good article It got put into the Match Day Experience group um, and then obviously asking for feedback uh, on regards to this, which is quite right, because obviously there's it, it quite little debate on there. I think it was Kieran, who was, I think he said on the map group they put something on Twitter about the uh, thing, and that's created a bit of a thing, and then obviously it's it started a real discussion. I talked to Russell about this uh, before, and he says, well, can you have it on the agenda? Because uh, they, they really, you know, want to make the atmosphere at Molyneux better. Um, where it's going wrong? What's the, what can they do to improve it? You know, where does it come from? We had a bit of a, a talk. That's when Manny came around my house Man, the other day. Knock it yeah, yeah. We had a bit, of, ob, had a bit yeah. of a you know, discussion. It,
5: my, my point was, I went to Man City, and this still for Wolves fans, especially when you go there. This is the city of the champions. The you know, this is the pinnacle. You're not going to play a match higher in stature than playing against Man City. Mm. And you've got to be up for it when you're down the bottom. I think it's everyone's—that's the type of fan I am. Everyone's responsibility to buy into it and get ready to give absolutely everything. And it was still nil-nil, and it was only one-nil, and you could hear a pin drop in the Wolves End. It was like, honestly, it was horrific—the atmosphere—and I was like, literally shouting at people around me, saying, "Why are you singing? You're just sitting there, no, standing there." As much there. as you shouted it down the other <laughs> night. No, yeah I, 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 and and it's this some sort of you know that to, I don't know whether it's we've changed and we watched football in a different era, whether it's all seat <sighs> stadium, but we've had that long enough now so and 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 it was there's something missing, and molyneux's been the same you know that cup tie against Liverpool we were absolutely robbed in that first game it should have been an absolute cauldron at molyneux for that. Replay, you know, should have been. See, I thought it, it was, was the first five rubbish. minutes
3: until we could five-tenths of turn the nothing, goal. mate. If, he,
5: if you think
4: that's atmosphere, that's no, not No, 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 absolutely history, not. History tells us if we get relegated, crowds drop. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If we're not playing attractive football or, you know, I put, put something on Twitter the other day uh, to say as much. Um, you look at the season, 13-14 League One Champions. You look at the season, 08-09 under Mick McCarthy. You look at the the seasons under new now. You look at the European football. Obviously, what the common denominator is from when our fan base was as loud and the experience was as good as it ever was is winning football and goals. And we're not we're not seeing that. I think lockdowns had a massive, massive yeah. contribution on a lot of things. You can talk about that psychologically, but I think it's had a, a you know, a, a, and we, we've struggled to almost recover from it. Um, Molly was a cauldron. We've only got to look at man you in the quarterfinal right, that and just was the best have, atmosphere and do you know that what was we insane, was it? Night, really? and you you can look at it as you know we were the 12th man and, and and now we're not and there was some guy on twitter the other day saying oh do you think there's no cohesion between the stands and that you can't create that you can't set a plan out to, to no. but what goes on on the pitch dictates pretty much everything commercially uh, whichever way you look at it off it and while we've been playing the way we've been playing in the position we're in, not winning as many games and not scoring as many goals is a, ho- a huge contributing factor, in my opinion. Um, you look at 88, 80, Johnny, do remember, 87 to 89, under Wolves marching up the league. You know, there was only 20,000 fans in the stadium, two sides open, two stands miles away, whatever. What an incredible atmosphere what to go an to. And that man. was my first match and I was hooked from then. Mm. If this was my first match at the start of this season, yeah, it'd be a great experience. But... Are you, going, are you
5: going to get
4: hooked yeah, yeah you, you Well, you, you, you probably would be but I just remember those days and uh, I think to get them back we have got to start scoring goals and it, it, it's as simple as that you can't create an atmosphere and you know we can't all be singing dancing and put the liquidator on or whatever people think the answers are and then we still watch you know that what
5: I'll, I'll, I'll still have to come back on that because we've just talked about oh, we're not that bad. We've got a brand new manager. We spent £200 million worth you know, on players, our clubs. There's still a lot to be grateful for. We've re- and it just gives the players a huge mental lift. You wanted to fight me this week, You know, days. honestly, you don't understand when you sing and you encourage, humans mm. just p- perform better. You know, you've got a crowd behind you in, instead of being silent. Especially, we were talking about mistakes that people make. And it's just psychologically, it does work both ways. Yes, uh, the football's rubbish, but that doesn't mean we just sit there silent. I've never seen a crowd like. Honestly, it was. Yeah. Da- uh, uh, Jace, it was. I felt like. Well, I think that Man City as well.
4: That the, the Man City fans aren't great neither are they, they only they? started saying anything that That's turned a bit of a library. to. You.
3: Let me come to Paul because again, so, you know, it's quite interesting because you would see things from that psychological perspective as well. Is that all these you know? traitors? No, no, <laughs> he, he does, doesn't he? He offers so much through. more, he's a he great winger. He's got so he's many alive.
5: more abilities. he he's, he's
3: a good little footballer as well, I'll tell you. Go on.
0: What's the question? About, <laughs> about <laughs> the <atmosphere. laughs> uh, What's
3: your take on that? Oh, you know, because I, I can see every time. I want to come yeah. to Johnny in a minute because obviously you, you felt the need to write that article. But, like, I kind of sit slightly to the, to the side of what Jason is. It's like, I think the COVID thing, the, the lack of goals, the lack of hope almost at a lot of time, the fact that the, the, the football is, you know, there's not a lot to get excited. It's, it's, it's become a malaise, almost like an expectant. Yeah. When they give you get on the front foot, so I, you know, we started attacking more. The... Naturally, the fans get behind or someone gets in with a crunching tackle and it gets them going. But it's kind of like, where, where are you with it?
0: I think it's a two-way street. I think you want to see stuff from the players that get the crowd going. But I think the crowd also have a bit of a responsibility to play their yeah. part. Mm. Um, I mean, like the theory of it, if you like, you can call it social facilitation, where people perform better in the presence of others. And there's experiments that show that is the case and there's something called social inhibition, where people perform worse in the presence of others. And if you think about the playing out from the back um, and people are starting getting jittery in the stands, that's gonna transmit to the players and it's gonna affect how they think and how they, you know, how they perform. So we can, we can take responsibility and give them a bit of leeway, give, show a bit of patience when they're trying to do that, not get all nervous because that's only gonna have a detrimental impact on the players. Um, but overall I think um, we were both at Everton, well we were all at Everton weren't we? And when that goal went in, the atmosphere its just like someone had flicked a switch and goals do create
2: mm-hmm.
3: atmospheres. It's like I said, I was literally 10 minutes after the game with loads of, we're still
5: going. Yeah, but that's like celebrating a winning goal. Oh, Your atmosphere should start but from the point But the atmosphere one. was, it shouldn't, it it shouldn't rely away, on a I'll winning think- goal last minute. Yeah. You know, a new signing, we sign a new signing. You know when Matthias Cunha was signed? It was like, have yeah, ever got a new signing? There was no but, euphoria. There was I, I, no, there was like, we just spent a record went, amount on a bloody to signing. You it gains momentum. I think yeah. once we do
4: start we do sort of scoring goals, we get more excited. And I think it yeah. does. It can't just be one or the other. It can't just be, oh, let's go and do, you know, let's all go and cheer a bit louder on a Saturday. I, John, I don't think that I think
5: be. we can.
3: Johnny, this brings us up to like Obviously you felt, uh, and it's a really good article, so I would say go and read it, Uh, to actually focus on that and it has created this debate which you must be obviously pleased about that people are talking about it what moved you to actually
1: start write that article last last week? It was the thing that sort of of inspired me to write it was the the shock uh, of that Liverpool game I just couldn't believe after the the sense of injustice from the first match Mm -hmm. the fact that it was a night game the fact that it was against big opposition and the fact that they had a massive FA Cup allocation the better the away allocation the better the Home atmosphere is it's it's always tip mm-hmm. for tap. That if you've got a massive away following, the home crowd gets going as they did with the Man United game. Mm-hmm. And I was just shocked by how flat it was. Absolute, and it really was flat. Now to go back to what Jace says, winning changes everything. Uh, so for argument's sake, if you say eighty percent of the atmosphere is down to winning, then you're looking at the the other twenty percent. Where can that be gained from? And I think there were some interesting things in that uh, that Liverpool match. I think the <laughs> the Wolves fans only got noisy when they were having a pop at the opposition, be that the ref yeah. or be that Liverpool. So they were singing about the bad refereeing and they were singing about Liverpool cheating. Well for me Wolves fans are always at the best singing about their own qualities, Absolutely. their own team. So that was a bit almost, that's, I mean is that a society thing or we, is that the, the level of criticism that's coming out and you know that particular South Bank that day it may not have had all the regulars in, I don't know it was a cup game. But Southampton have
5: been like that all season. Yeah, so they, and yeah. I
1: just thought, well, we're better. I just thought we're better than that. And then I think to the Nuno days when there was virtually a song for every player, several mm. songs for him. When we're singing about ourselves, it's much better than when we're singing yeah, about is, yeah. about a perceived weakness in the opposition uh, or a perceived weakness in the referee. And uh, I found that interesting. I do think uh, it's not a problem unique to Wolves, and a lot of that is the mm. sort of the world we live in, particularly the social media world, there's a lot of fans with phones out. Phones, yeah. I I, I was going to say this. And it just amazes me that, especially the prices you pay these days, Uh, they're filming the opposition, they're filming someone coming to take a corner, they're filming bits of the crowd, and it just takes the focus away from the pitch. And then, you know, to really go back to the old days when there was the packed terraces and everything was just facing the front. And you were always, even though you are singing, you were always watching the action.
5: Uh, it I, was even like, you know, it was like half good time point. you found out the other results. Now people yes. are betting, yeah. people are like yeah. placing things, they're checking their fantasy league. There's people asked. next to you saying,
1: oh, Mo Salah's
5: just scored
4: Some hard. Some of got, us are so, arguing on Twitter. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I do think that's a society thing. Sure, yeah. I do think that's a society problem. I think we have become over-reliant on phones. And I think since lockdown, lockdown just sent everyone towards their technology. It sent mm. everyone away from away from people mm-hmm. and uh, sort of social interaction and into this uh, really inward looking. No, you're right, because like, we haven't quite got, got the A lot of cashless societies accelerated yeah. Yeah. faster during COVID during, and absolutely. stuff like that. With, and, and, well. and COVID definitely, definitely made everyone more reliance on, on, on sort of, on their technology. And, and that comes at a cost of interacting. And I think, you know, the, the lockdown really played a big part in it. I touched on it in the article, VAR fatigue yeah, definitely plays a massive part in it. And I, I see this when I go to Premier League matches all around the country, and then when I go to matches lower down, the, 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 the groan when that screen comes up, VAR checking, and it's like, oh, for God's sake. And it's, it, it makes people well, hold. the song a song, isn't it? The, yeah. the wolves, that one Wolf song, beep, V-A-R. It comes yeah. out
4: every time we sing. Just, but once again, that's <laughs> to Johnny's fantastic point, uh, you know, so, so well as you put it, he's the, the focusing on VAR, focusing on the yeah. ref, right, And the new now songs... Gotta Neves, Matinho, you know, and that really got behind the players. They don't. The players don't want to hear us singing. FBA. No, they they don't. That's (laughs)
1: a good point. The one thing I didn't mention in the article, which I would like a debate on, and this goes back to what you're saying about Russell Jones getting in touch with you, is whether or not there can be some some way of getting a, a, a singing area going they like, just talked about like there's it. like there's like there one at palace and like celtic in celtic have had one for arsenal, years now as well uh has arsenal got one yeah. now has it yeah
0: they've moved them down close to the pitch as well
1: um and in, in a way that needs that needs a decent the that, chorus. that needs that needs a supporter yeah. thing that needs a sort of um that needs that needs the supporters to take the lead on that yes. to, to 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 get themselves Organise to get themselves that those who want to do it get themselves into a group to create that. Fair play to Palace, certainly fair play to Celtic. If supporters are going to mobilise and organise themselves, and if there's a facility there from the club to do that, then I think a singing area could do absolute wonders. Well,
3: funny you should say that because obviously lots of things came on this group. One of the things that came up was exactly that, and has was being discussed. Another thing was like the flags. Like you look at Newcastle now, and you go mm. there, and the, the atmosphere that that creates. And again, both of those points were saying it needs to come from the fans to take ownership of that. Uh, another i another thing was talked about was obviously, you know, the uh, the tunes that they come out from. And the first, I mean, I went to Forest, uh, and I have to say, the atmosphere for that game for Forest, both before the game and after, it leads the same. They're playing Mulligan Tire and whatever. But then they stop, they play it and then they stop the music and the fans sing it. And it's like, is there a song that Walls fans can do that type of thing to? I know people have talked about the Liquidator. Personally, yeah, it's great, whatever. But I think that's more about. Personally, although people go, that's going to change the thing, I'm not sure it would because it's all about Westbrook. Yeah, I
4: agree. We it should be know, more uh, about and, us. And when you've got women and children in the stadium... Yeah,
1: yeah. it's not appropriate. I you know. We, Listen, we want a song about us. Not we, we I, wolves. Have never had that. Really, no, they've never I've had, had, had that. Wondering you was a good one. Oh, yeah, I used to yeah.
3: like that when they used to sing along. I know it, we want something that's got some tradition that they, you can get the everyone sing along to. That's not too different. When you've got,
1: when you think of like Leeds, you took Leeds and they've got marching on together. Yeah, you've got yeah. the, the Mullican Tire one. You've got loads of other clubs. who have got proper anthems. Wolves, for all their great support, have never actually had an anthem. Well, know, well, it doesn't
5: well. help. You know what? My, my son's big into sound and vision. We do events in India like outdoor big events and Wolves PA system is by far the worst in the Premier League. Yeah, you, mentioned be, it you know like you go that. to Brentford and you felt like you were in a disco when that music went off. You were bouncing and it was for the home side yeah. and our PA system, our speakers and the way they're faced and the type of speakers we've got, you wouldn't even... But that won't, help, that won't help the singing, will it? No, no but what, what I'm saying is, the, you, you know, even that... Yeah, but that PA, when, when you walk into a stadium... Yeah, you know see, yeah. you know when Man United, when we walked into that Manchester United quarterfinal that yeah. day, the flags, the gold, yeah. the lights, the sound, they had everything yeah. to a T. Mm. You felt so flat in Liverpool that like you just walked into an empty stadium like they didn't care.
4: The atmosphere with the Nike Cuffs has always traditionally been better. Oh, it, 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 it doesn't change from... from Equally from the 80s when there was the South Bank and the John Island yeah. uh, to the point of a singing section. Obviously, that was all generated from the South Bank. The the, the, the John Island stand as it was, there yeah. wasn't starting many songs. It was the newsstand, stand, the news stand. Mm. So, what I'd like to see, and would it create any greater atmosphere? Probably not, but just add to the, the Molyneux being a cauldron, is inside more visually homage to our past. Obviously, I'm wearing my mm-hmm. ex-players hat in as much as you know I helped the Wolves All-Stars and you look at some of the, 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 the great players in so you go to Aston Villa and there's there's references to Peter with the 82 I know that I've shit up about it but I think maybe you know in certain areas it's just adverts 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 commercial revenue I get it but I think you know something maybe a, a banner of some ex-players or from you know I just think it might help and make it just just more of a cauldron. I think that, that that's that's what it's got to be. This is
3: what you have just saying about like, and I think Wolves need an anthem that sort of like goes back to the history of the club and that can everyone can associate with, everyone can get behind. And I, I do think you go to some of the other clubs and you, you see round the stadium references to the history and stuff. Banners that permanent permanently left. And up Another there. idea that came out, obviously the flag. Thing was good. Something we think is there anything that is simpler? And one of the things that come about is to do with scarves. Is getting somehow getting the fans to buy into getting the scarves. And when we come out, they're all spinning the scarves. We create something different. Yeah. Like but the, they do you that.
5: You know, Palace and um, there was another club recently, when they do that to an anthem. Yeah so it's the anthem that and, gets them going well, and the visual could so you might everyone's Z been in the box you know, they've got Yeah but that, those anthems are all traditionally linked to the club it's really hard to just suddenly pick us off and is. just say well, this is our anthem from today. You know, the, we, it's we, historically we haven't got. What about
4: higher silver lining? I
3: mean,
5: yeah. not, the, not the no, that we're decision making. No, that is ball. the. That, yeah. But
3: there's only one. It's like higher. Oh, that's where you, sing. Yeah, if you not, sing all sing You don't sing all the way through, really. do you? No, I and know, everyone well, else no, has I know, got I it. This is why I hop back to something like the Wonder You or something like that, or whatever it could be. that has got some historical that we've played in the past everyone from all generation can kind of go that was our song and we you know they Duh. they used to sing along to it we don't hear anything if you've got any ideas and you've got any opinions and any thoughts on this <laughs> watching in the podcast You're totally laughing at me. <laughs> leave, leave leave your thoughts in the comment section below under this or on you know get in touch whatever and we will pass it on because you've created a real
5: discussion yeah, that thanks. all the
3: fans are buying into uh, you know sing more answer.
5: just sing more we can <laughs>
3: right let's move on from that we're going to go on to now referee and standards Paul will <sighs> kick you off with this one because you're well, a big fan hell. I'm
0: not a fan no um <clears throat> I mean there's a, there's a stark difference I think in the Premier League in general between what we see you know week by week in the Premier League and what we see in the Champions League and the, and the World Cup there seems to be a massive gulf in, in difference so that's the first thing that I want to say on that. We've got to be careful though, not to use this as like um, a crutch, an excuse all the time. We have had some bad decisions, but we can't keep going to that as our first thing for not winning a game. So we've got to be careful with that. But I think um, the biggest problem was probably that Liverpool match with two um, two goals really that changed the whole complexion of that tie, the Salah goal, which um, probably is down to the rules rather than the referees, because. There's no way he's not interfering with play. Is that when that ball's played, it's to him, so it's got to be interfering with play. So that that's a rule thing rather than referees, and we all know about our goal and how that should have stood. But um, one thing that I'll um, go back to is that Nunes penalty against Tottenham um, Forest in the in the cup. I'm still upset about that because we could have been in that semi final. Yeah, I know. It's all right. I mean,
3: it's, it's OK. They <laughs> lost three 0 last night anyway. Well.
0: They're not going to the final. I mean, the FA Cup, you go out of the third round, it's bad, but you're so far away from Wembley anyway. But if we'd have, if we'd have got that penalty in the last minute and put ourselves into a semi-final, that could have been massive. And I don't know how the referee, when he's like five yards away from that incident, and he sees Nunes' boot come off, and I think <sighs> it's actually ripped, isn't it? how you interpret that as a dive because he books him doesn't he for that as as well so I mean that's a that's a terrible decision and I can only hope that these things balance out over the course of the season well, but I think to balance out yeah. the rest
3: of the season Jason you're going to
4: come in there I was just going to say are the authorities uh, the football authorities against Wolves no of course they're not uh, is there a subconscious bias towards the top teams possibly um, years ago it was and I I keep harping back to this you know obviously pre-var it was nice to get to the pub and 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 speak about the the decisions and speak about you know the ref getting it wrong or whatever and you'd quickly forget about it now obviously there's 30 young cameras in the ground apart from anfield where they've they've got a severe lack of them Um, (laughs) okay oh yeah and and you know var let's just remember why it was set up to obviously prevent this and and to make sure that the decisions were right And it it hasn't changed it. And Johnny made another great point about when... And that's the other thing with the atmosphere. Do you celebrate a goal? I mean, I think it's got a little bit better now, but originally, you know, do you celebrate a goal? You don't celebrate... It's just, for me, you know... But I I don't think that the referees are going, right, get one over on Wolves today. Of course they're not. But it does seem... There is a lot... Seems to be going against us. And and once again, you know... uh, Obviously, what you said then, Paul, in as much as we can't make it an excuse. Yeah,
0: but we can use it to galvanise us. though so when we get a bad decision, go against us. We can use that as an extra motivation. And, you know, I'd like to see that. And the other stat that I want to just bring in before we move on. The last penalty we got given away from home in the Premier League in front of fans... It's now over three years ago. I can't do it. this anymore. So, <laughs> this is another one. <laughs> I mean, three years. A, there okay. are there are it's other reasons. Up. That's not just down to referees. I mean, obviously, we I've already said today we don't get the ball in the box enough. But the last time we had a penalty away from home in front of fans was Southampton when we were two 0 down at half time, one three two.
4: Tomorrow scored, it, didn't
0: he? Um, <laughs> yeah. And the, in the lockdown games, our penalties that we did have away from home was Burnley. Brighton and I think Southampton again so we don't get decisions against big teams that's what that stat could you could infer from that Johnny yeah a
3: couple of questions on this the VAR thing obviously um, if you're sat at home you can see what's going on if you're in the stadium um, you're just wondering half the time what's going on one do you think the refs should be mic'd up uh, like they are in other things so you can hear the conversation and Chris Humphreys has got we'll put pull this one out the questions for you is asked do you think referees should be mar- uh, marked up as part of that and have to do press conferences at the end of the games
1: I think them I think w- making referees up could be beneficial for explaining the process of what they're asking from yeah. VAR and yeah. the process like the fourth, like they do uh, for tries and in cricket yeah. for uh, in rugby so when, when there's a try in rugby when there's a cricket decision they go through the process I, I think it would be very bad if any other conversation was being listened to as well I think it should only be for those I think that's possible Mm. Um, I don't think you should be listening to referees Mm. refereeing a match but if if the game stopped and they're having a conversation I think that might be quite enlightening so people can understand the the process I think a lot of people just don't understand the process of decision making and as as Paul touched on people don't know the rules Some some terrible rules out there that people are confusing with terrible refereeing decisions Mm. and I think people aren't aware of that as well so I think um, I think referees being mic'd up for the chat over the VAR decision could be beneficial. Yeah. Uh, I think getting them to do press conferences is nonsense, absolutely not. You don't want to hear from referees. The more you hear from referees, the more they become a part of the game. It's worse for them because you make, give, make putting them on a on a sort of pedestal they don't want to be on. It's worse for us because it means the referees are having too much influence in the game. So absolutely not. I don't want to hear from a referee talking after a match. Uh, I don't think it's good for him. I don't think it's good for us. But, yeah, I, I would be open to that idea of a referee on field having a chat with the VAR and us <coughs> being able to hear that. But then we, they'd have to be very careful to make sure the mic's off for the rest of the time because yeah. I think it is sacrosanct what the referee is saying to the players yeah. and all the rest yeah. of that. I don't think that's our business. Fantastic. It could start
4: influencing decisions, couldn't it? And it could, yeah, it, absolutely could. Yeah, it, it could, yeah, it absolutely
1: could. And I know for a fact, just it's not the question you asked me, but I know for a fact from speaking to several top referees working in the game at the moment, they hate being given the VAR shift on a that on, that? A, on a Premier League back. They hate it because they feel they are... You mean in the control room? In the control in room. The control room. Yeah. They when, they, when the list comes out, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, God, I'm on VAR. They hate that more than anything. They just want a referee on the pitch. That's what they're trained to do. When they, they feel they're being asked to re-referee...
3: On that, do you not think like ex-players and
1: stuff like that should They be? don't know the rules. The amount of ex-players who just don't know the rules. The well, thing. They don't be trained on that. Well, they'd have to prove they know the rules. That's the they ref, part, the part of the referees, part of the referees that get to elite level is they know the rules. Yeah. The pundits, some of them well, do, do but a, a lot of them sometimes, don't. I think the refs do know the rules. I think they do, most of them. And do you, before I go on to Manny because
3: I want us to hear what Manny's thoughts but, on uh, this.
1: Well, well, another reason why they don't like doing the VAR job is also because they're thinking what are, and they've said this to me, they're thinking, right, what would everyone else, what would the millions of people at home be doing? They're actually thinking that in their head and. They, subconsciously, uh, they're sort of thinking, what's the right decision here? So they're not going on their instinct, they're not going on what they've been taught, they're going on, oh, this concept of VAR, what am I supposed to do? What what would look like the right decision? Uh, I I, I think it's unfair, I think VAR has made refereeing worse and has lowered the standard of refereeing because Mm -hmm. it's just stuck something else in their head that wasn't there and the instinctive decisions that they got right most of the time aren't being made anymore. Don't get me wrong, you could probably prove that VAR has made more correct decisions, but it's coming at a huge cost. It's a cost to the atmosphere at games, delays in the games, undermining referees on the pitch. It's just not worth it.
5: It's We've had like three years, is it? Of that year. So three years, here we are th- looking at a system that, almost like a brand new system that's got lots of teething problems. Johnny's just mentioned behind the scenes where referees don't want to do that shift. So. There's, a, there's obviously a lack of confidence, in, maybe in the system and in, maybe in their duties. You know, one thing I would like to be taken away is that monitor, get rid of it. If you've got a qualified referee in a room who's looking at 54 different screens and you say, can you check that penalty? Was it a penalty, yes or no? And he says, no, it's not a penalty. Okay, not a penalty, that's it. When you say, oh, can you go and, well, can't you make a decision? You've got so many screens, you can't make a decision. You want me to go and look at it again? In cricket, you don't ask the umpire to go and look at your decision again. In rugby, they don't ask the rugby um, uh, referee to go and look at your decision again. They make the decision and tell them no penalty. Okay, no penalty. and away I, you I think go.
4: it's the inconsistency. Not everyone can be wrong. All the former Liverpool players were coming, not all of them, obviously. Former Liverpool players were coming out. The fans in the stadium, the fans on social media, was
5: all that was. But that was. Just, I mean, that, that, on that point. You know that that one decision was down to not having a camera angle. That cameraman who was employed, was he, he yeah. was he was working for oh, ITV. Yeah. So ITV are supplying the cameras and all the angles. It's the broadcasters that supply everything. So it's not um, VAR. Haven't got their own system. They rely on the broadcasters. That was handy though, wasn't it? That that cameraman also, <laughs> was, that cameraman who zoomed in too quick was also a Liverpool fan we heard from oh, we heard from him he was, he was at the match the home the home match on one of the cameras and um, the plot uh, he, he was a Liverpool fan but anyway you know there's this word that people use straight away on refereeing and it's corrupt yeah they it use is. it a lot don't they now I'm 100% sure corruption exists in sport around the world and maybe in leagues in you know China and <laughs> Middle East or whatever they There's probably things that go on. It does happen, believe it or not. People think, corruption, that's an easy word. It does actually happen. When you give people money, it happens and it does come out. It's evident in sport. It's happened before. Mm -hmm. So these decisions lead people's mind to think about, oh, what's going on? Are they protecting the big six? Do they want the same people at the top? Because they're the money earners, they're the big teams, they're the ones that take our brand worldwide and the more decisions we get wrong just feeds that. Mm-hmm. It feeds it. And then it's pretty hard to change somebody's opinion of that. I just think the standard is so poor. I can't think of one referee. I Actually, thinking of it now, I can't think of one obvious referee that I'd say I'd love him to referee our game. Back in the past, we had that guy for we the championship have,
3: last year, didn't we? We, we would have, really have four good. or
5: five different ones. No, no, I can't yeah. even... Different ones I, I, that that you respected and you knew that they, you know, generally did their jobs correctly. So there's something wrong. The referee, there's something wrong. The rules get changed a lot. The handball, the offside, everything gets twisted and little additions get added to the rule. The handball rule. Does anybody actually know exactly the definitive laws of handball because it's different for an attacker and a defender well, it's different for depending on what you're doing if you're breaking mm. the fall and your hands down but if you're you know remember Kilman he got handball against him and he was just running Matinho got one in his armpit you know there was lots of different things and, mm. and it's all down to rule interpretation because genuinely I think the watching public don't even know the rules properly because they change so often so something needs this, to be done. The, com-
3: the communication, I think, needs to be improved in the and There's only two grounds in the in this uh, in the Premier League that don't have proper screens. One's Anfield, the other one's Man United. The, the biggest clubs, like, yeah. and they're the biggest club which is crazy. Yeah. Just quickly on that before we go on to the the end of the podcast, do you think there's a subliminal bias? It's subliminal, or you know, in some people's mind, you talk about like the VAR, yeah, and subconscious people stressing, bias. Subconscious.
1: Um, I think that exists in life. Uh, definitely. Uh, I think we see it in life, we see it in society. Um, so for it not to exist in football, um, it's probably naive to think it doesn't exist in football. That's a good answer. Right, so politician in
3: Johnny. That was very out good there. that was a very good answer. Okay. Brilliant. Right, we're gonna get on to the question for Johnny and then we're just gonna before we finish, we're gonna go around and see how uh, we've got seven fixtures up until the international break. We're gonna go around and see how many points so. Uh, before we get to that, though, we, it would be a miss of us not to mention that Wolves women are playing a WSL side West Ham um, in Telford at the Buckshead yeah. on Sunday. It's a two, Come on, Wolves women. It's a 2 pm kickoff. You know, they're gra- great progress. I would recommend uh, if you get the chance to go, go and get a ticket, go and support the girls. Um, you know, it'll be a massive upset if they get a result. And like what you're saying, let's get behind them and support them. It's the
5: first ever game against like WSL opposition, which is a huge. It's a real thing. test for them, yeah, yeah.
3: and they deserve the support. You know, if you get a chance to get over there, it's two o'clock. You have to go and book your tickets because it's not a league match. You can't go in. You have to book your tickets online. So, get on that. Um, and yeah, now we're on to Q and A for you for yeah, the that's next fine. thing. So, Johnny, um, this one: What is your best memory of Wolves growing up?
1: Um, it would probably have to be something, I mean I'm sort of born and bred in Liverpool and it's my dad is, is the Wolves fan uh, so that's why I follow Wolves so it would have to be something with him uh, and there was one game in particular I remember when, and obviously Steve Ball was my hero to, yeah. to, to, to go back to you know uh, a couple of us in the room were, were around that time and Bully was my hero in the 80s growing up and I was on the school playground in Liverpool with them having the two best teams in Europe and we were in the fourth division so <laughs> as we saw the rise uh, so whenever Bully scored I was a happy man and if I was watching it with my dad I was a happy man and there was one game in particular, we were, it, it was a nothing season as it happened, we were back in the championship or first, second division as you call then. we won 2-1 away at Blackburn, it was Kenny Dalglish's Blackburn on a Tuesday night, he'd spent a fortune trying to get them promoted and they were yeah. faltering, we were struggling under Graham Turner, we went 1-0 down Scott Sellers scored for Blackburn. That's oh, right. I yeah. might have been at this game. Yeah, I think. and we were, we were we were on the terrace, and me and my dad had gone along Definitely on the we chan- were, okay. off chance of getting it. It was it sold out because of Blackburn. They would sell out, and there were no tickets. But we found a Wolves fan selling tickets. Got on the away terrace. Went one 0 down. Thought, oh, well, that's rubbish. Then Bully scored. We got the equaliser, and then in the added time, Paul Birch oh, um, scored an amazing winner from about thirty yards. I think it was a bit of a goalkeeping howler the keeper dropped it in but it, i remember just jumping up and down on that terrace with the wolves fans and my dad next to me and my hero had scored and with it being kenny dalglish and the liverpool link i was so pleased to get one over him so that was even though the season turned into and i think we finished 10th or something it was a nothing season maybe 91 92 ish mm. it was great it was that they just made me happy that day so that's my happiest memory absolutely brilliant uh, Josh
3: Woodbury wants to know how did you get into Sky Sports?
1: Uh, I did a media degree at uni because I was I, I wanted to play the game professionally. I wasn't good enough, so the next best thing was working in sports. I did a media degree at uni, went into local newspapers, local tele, uh, local radio rather for a bit. Covered um, Grimsby Town, Scunthorpe United, York City, Exotic. all these clubs, yeah. Because yeah, I went to Leeds Uni and then slowly worked through. Did ended up moving on to Talk Sport, covered the snooker for a little bit for them, and then. Um, I, luckily someone tipped me off that there were jobs going at Sky and I went in and applied and got one I went I didn't go in as a reporter at Sky I went in quite a junior level yeah. and worked my way back up so I, I, I always from leaving school I wanted to get into sports journalism
3: that's brilliant um, this this one maybe be you've already answered it I don't know but we'll put it out there anyway it could be anything because you cover a lot of things yeah your favorite ever game not just wolves anything
1: uh, well, let's say they're not Wolves one then for its argument's sake it'd have to be the Watford Leicester playoff semi-final they saved the penalty yeah. and they went down the other end and Troy Deeney got the winner and to be at that game was the most maddest thing ever and I often chat to Watford fans about this because it went a bit viral on social media afterwards I, I lost the plot covering it for soccer saturday the fans lost the plot letting off fairs running onto you were actually covering it oh yeah my my voice (laughs) broke a bit i just got so excited (laughs) i did (laughs) did the penalty and then obviously i was very excited for the penalty and i had nowhere left to go when they went up the other end and scored i just my voice broke one of the lads in the office called it a scoregasm everything just went and the fans were on the pitch the flares were going on. It was insane because if it was the, they'd have scored that route. penalty they were through yeah, and then was. it broke yeah. and then, yeah, it, was uh, incredible. So it was incredible. So it's incredible and the, it it had it was the fact that it was the playoffs which is the best thing ever. Uh, I miss the playoffs, even though we never won in them. I do miss the playoffs. And mm. then um it was just that moment and I speak to what for fans. This was 10 years ago and I speak mm. to what for fans now and they say that was as good as winning winning a trophy that moment because there's only the odd team that ever wins trophies, and the, the rest of us are in the game. moment for Moments. Well, you've gone from the that, depths
3: of like
2: yeah. despair. I mean, it, it reminds me of Zola, like was not
1: it? Zola. It yeah. reminds me of the, he, penalty the sh- he stacked it. He went running on the pitch to celebrate. Running on the pitch, it. his suit was yeah. flying, his tie was a.
5: The penalty
3: shootout when Wolves played Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. They were two 0 down, that's and we won right. that penalty Three 0 Three we're going yeah. out, and then we won the penalty shootout. Because you think that's it, and then you
1: do.
3: You've gone. Your emotions have gone from one to the other. So That's a brilliant answer. Um, Chess Wolf
1: how difficult is it to be a Wolves fan and not report on our matches uh, and not report oh yeah I always want to get Wolves games so it's it's difficult if you if you know Wolves are in a big game and you're somewhere else particularly you know if, you, if you're close by as well there's nothing worse than covering West Brom when Wolves are at home or whatever I don't think that happens <laughs> that often but um, yeah it's uh, yeah there's times when, when I'm watching soc- well I've got I'm watching a match wherever I'm at and I've got Soccer Saturday on and you've got Paul Merson or whatever, watching it in the studio, and you just think, oh, I wish I was there. did so, yeah. you, ca- you do one reason with the cameraman it was a Wolves fan, and he had the uh, thing on, you Oh, it. yeah, yeah, we did. where <laughs> was that? Uh, yeah, we were at a ground late recently, and the cameraman was a Wolves fan as well, so he had the Wolves match up on his phone in a position where we could still watch the match going on, <laughs> so I didn't miss anything, uh, it was great. It's when yeah. you're commenting on the wrong game, isn't it? <laughs> Mike Russell wants to know,
3: can Johnny be impartial and keep a straight face when he's reporting on Sandwell Town? Or wear a
4: gold tie.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did wear a Wolves tie when <laughs> <in> the West Brom <laughs> game did I, I, I got a complaint about that, but that was many, many years ago. Yeah, I can be impartial. Again, it goes back to the Liverpool thing. I was sort of from Liverpool, so growing up as a kid... It was Liverpool I couldn't stand. Yeah. I wasn't bothered about West Brom. Yeah. It was the school playground and mm-hmm. Liverpool this, Liverpool yeah. that. And also when I was very young my dad took me to games up in the northwest when we were in the fourth division against the likes of Wigan, Chester, Tranmere, Bolton, all those teams. And we used to go in the home end because he, he, I was quite a small kid and the, he said the, the away end's too rough. I mean we, we got banned actually for a few games, Wolves fans, in the old fourth oh. division. We weren't actually allowed in. Uh, there was a Hooligan band. I, mean, I think Wolves got banned from away games for ten matches. Wow! Um, but my dad used to just take me in the home end and say, "Sit on oh. sit, sit on your hands and don't cheer if bully scores." And I got used to not cheering mm. uh, a Wolves goal and then having to go up when we used to eat. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, being impartial is quite easy. I don't find that a problem. You know, I could cover Wolves and happily not happily, but easily talk about them losing. Uh, uh, from a okay. professional, you can. A, but yeah, you can, what can change. What about if you've played West Brom, Johnny? Honestly, wouldn't, I wouldn't find it difficult. You just, yeah. you just. I, I'm, I've, I've had it from a very early age drilled into me that I might be sat in the wrong angle, <laughs> uh, so brilliant. do not go up if was That's brilliant. So that then. is
2: yeah.
3: final one we've got time for before we get we start to, to wrap everything up. James Sylvester would like to ask what advice you have for those in later life. Who would like to change career and get into sports journalism or something sports related so you write media?
4: that dave or me
1: yeah i mean <laughs> that, that, that's that, that Jamie, Jamie sylvester that's a good point i mean it's hard to suddenly change and get into journalism um but i know i know a lad who did it actually who left a career in the city uh, and he now covers arsenal and he had a bit of money behind him obviously so he could afford to take that career break and work his way up, uh, and he, I think he took a, a journalism course and worked his way up. And he, he covers Arsenal home and away now down in, in London. And you know he, he's made a career for himself, and he's following his passion. But he, he's lucky that he worked in an industry before that that sort of he had the he had the sort of the money to, to, to not have to worry about that. But I've got a lot of respect for him. It can be done. I think it's a, a better way or a, a sort of a more obvious way. It's like what you've done. You know, you've you've built a sort of empire here, haven't you? And uh, you, you know, I mean, tell communi- me if you're wrong, but you communi- know spring, chicken, your <laughs> no, spring chicken, are you, Dave? Dave's empire. <laughs> so I, I do think, I do think this is. I think uh, the, the, the one of the, g- the good things about um, technology and social media is it's democratic. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, I had to go and get qualifications, and it was very hard, and it's very hard to break in to journalism and that. Social media uh, and social media platforms have made the whole thing democratic anyone can start anything you know you can start it in your bedroom and it can grow and grow and grow and whatever and look at you know what you do here is fantastic you've got the award on the table which is actually absolutely- yeah
3: we should show this actually because um, mm-hmm. this is our first time meet the met the guys this is the award you, that we, uh, that we <laughs> got we'll get a picture all together later for the uh, being voted the yeah. best Premier League podcast we're very proud
1: of that yeah you should be so you know you've built something out of nothing so to go back to what was it Jamie Sylvester's point you know you, you can be done and there was um, there's another podcast the, the Talking Walls guys they had yeah. Remain Saison yeah. didn't they it was like, a good, that was like, a good like one it, as well yeah. that was. so it, it's like I, I do think um, certainly there's a it, you, you offer a platform that's different and may attract different guests or may have different appeal to traditional media yeah so there's opportunity Isn't out there. Is that
4: idiot that interviews all the ex-Walls players right in there? Oh God! we're to
3: that. Who is
1: that? i was deliberately not mentioning Jason. I'm not, I'm not, Who is it? Who is I'm it? Not, is I'm, it? Say, I'm not saying he fell for it, but um, but yeah, you know, and and and, and Jason while while he's bigging himself up, of course, of course, wrote a book as well. He did. Yeah. Oh, um, so which is. Uh, it's, it's I a think lot. it was you that put that question Course. in, Jason. Um, <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> <or I. laughs> but it's it's a it's a lot of hard work that, as you know, you know, you'll talk about this. Yeah. It's a lot of hard work doing something like that. So I think people like yourself, Jason, have shown that you can build something out of nothing, and it can become quite a sort of quite a brand, quite a platform. So yeah, I'd say to Jamie, go for it. Right. Well, then some brilliant questions. We're just going to
3: wrap up now. Uh, we're going to go around um, everyone. And the last thing that you've got to to have, we've got the next seven fixtures. Liverpool at home, Southampton away, Bournemouth at home, Fulham away, Tottenham at home, Newcastle away and Leeds at home. Seven fixtures before the international break. Um, Manny, how many points are we going to get and how can people find you?
5: Um, Find me on Twitter, at Pedal Singh or Manny Singh Kang on Facebook. Looking at those fixtures, I, I look at the home games. For me, the home is where it's got to improve. If we're going to stay up, our home form has to improve. So we've got Leeds, Bournemouth at home, and we've got li- and li- even Liverpool and Spurs, You know, please don't call that Liverpool game a free hit. Liverpool have been so shaky in the back. They play that high line mm. that Paul's just talked about. We can get in behind them and we can cause them problems. So seven games, if we get 10 points, even though that's quite conservative, I think, it will improve our position because where we are, we're not talking about two points a game. I don't think. I don't think we're in that in that position. So, if we can get to double figures, so it's three wins and a draw, and maybe, you know, a couple of defeats. Ten points. Ten points, and I think that will move us away. Nice.
3: Now, Jason, can do I will say that Jason is a brilliant guy. He has written a book. And he has the fantastic Wolf Whistle podcast. He's had some great podcasts that have just come out yeah. in the last week. You want to just tell people a little bit about that and then obviously give your
4: score. Very quickly, we did Tony Roberts. Uh, Tony was brilliant, uh, as you can imagine. We had Stan Collymore, which was by Pure Luck. Stan just happened to follow the Wolf Whistle podcast on Twitter and he talked about everything. And I mean everything, so have a listen to that, everything. And uh, we <laughs> also did, uh, launched Ted Farmer at 83 years of age, fantastic. So three different eras, which was brilliant. Um, so where, where can you find me? Either Fox at Shipley or on Twitter, Wolves <laughs> Premier. I will unblock you if I've blocked you already. Uh, what I will say is about the fixtures, just on to manage Point. It's funny you should say 10 points because that's what I've gone for. Liverpool, home, I've put nothing. I've, I've just put no points. And the reason I've done it, and it's not a free hit by any stretch, but I've gone zero, nothing against Liverpool. Southampton away, three points. Bournemouth at home, three points. Fulham away, one point. Tottenham at home, nothing. Newcastle at home, nothing. Forest away, three points. So I've got ten points out of seven games. I think that's realistic. we get to double figures, I'd be over the moon. And if we get a draw against Liverpool, Tottenham, and maybe turn one of the wins into a draw, we're still there. That
5: Southampton bounds. game is the hardest game in that seven because they are absolutely flying. Took City apart, didn't they? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, we have a good record of Southampton away, though. Mm. Paul, how can people find you and uh, your... Your uh, score, well, it's not scores, uh, points. Um,
0: yeah, so it's at Paul Mansell 10. Um, I think somewhere we need to do better than one point a game. Uh, because if we continue at that rate, it's probably not going to be enough. I think it would put us on 35 points. Not quite enough, I don't think that. So if our points are somewhere between 9 and 11 out of those seven, I think that's a pretty decent return. Um, it's a good opportunity, these games, because we're playing some teams around us. We've done well against the teams around us. It's about time we had a sub- bit of a surprise result, I think, and beat someone in the top half of the table because our wins have been Southampton, Forest, West Ham and Everton, all in the bottom half. And I think now we've got the quality of players and the quality of manager to go uh, just, you know somewhere like Liverpool, Tottenham, who we've got coming up. I think we can beat one of those as well. So I'll say somewhere between 9 and 11, and I would be Back pleased... 10, well, 9, 10 or 11. <laughs> I'd be pleased with that return. I think that would be um, put us on course to get 38, 40 points, which is what we'll probably need to stop up.
3: Fantastic. So, uh, before we get to uh, Johnny, I'm going with mine. Um, so, obviously, you can follow Always Wolves on uh, any social platform uh, if you just look for Always Wolves. So, I've gone a point at Liverpool, but I think they can be beaten. Um a point away at Southampton, but I'd like to see us win it. Bournemouth at home, three points. Fulham away, a point. Tottenham at home, a point. Uh, Newcastle have gone zero. Forest, uh, sorry, Leeds at home, three. So that actually is ten points again. So I've gone with ten.
1: So is that Leeds we're playing? It's Leeds, yeah. Yeah, Leeds. Oh, so, oh I Leeds, thought, It's yeah. home. Oh, OK, Leeds. Leeds at home. And it's at home. That's, right. that's incorrect. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to sound really negative now compared to you lot. I, I only think seven or eight points out of that. Yeah. I can't see us getting anything out of Liverpool, Fulham, and Newcastle. Okay. And after that, I think there are points to be had. I hate making predictions just to qualify that when this turns out to be nonsense. Are you a betty man Johnny? No. Well, I am, but the bookies win. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I think the I think it's there's a really tough set of games. I think we have to beat Bournemouth. Um, uh, you have to get take three points from that. I think Southampton could go either way. I think Tottenham and for uh, leads either way as well. But I think there's big. Think there's tr- trouble against Newcastle, Fulham, and Liverpool. So, I was I was only I'm only looking at seven or eight points. I hope I'm proved wrong.
3: No, that's fair enough. I mean, at the end of the day, I think well, we
1: stay up then. Yeah, yeah, are we going to stay up? Yeah, and how many points we finish? I think you know? Wolves will stay up. because um, I think, we'll get because to I think the, there are three worse teams. Manny's itching so. for an argument, right. in there, you know. Oh, you can no. tell, <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think, Wolves will stay up, out, <laughs> I think, I think it's a low bar this season. Yeah, I think it's a low bar.
5: Yeah, I think, would, I mean teams have like stayed up with 35, 36 before, and it could be that type of situation because there's like six teams all very much, you know, sure. very similar stature, very similar number of points. So let's, next game, you know, that's what managers say, it. the next game, let's them uh, go there and not just sit on our hands and, um, uh, you know, tape up our mouths, actually just create a bit of an after being two weeks away the transfer window will have closed so that's it you know bang that's the team we we've got focus on we get, just need to focus get behind shout sing scream and suck the ball into the net it works sucks.
3: yeah can we have a lot more goals than the yeah uh, let's hope to these signings, ins of Saravia Kuna and all of the uh, all the rest we start scoring some goals uh, guys it's been an absolute pleasure thank you Manny Jason and Paul we uh, fantastic debut johnny i hope you've
1: enjoyed it yeah it's great to see you all in chat It's lovely thank you it's,
3: it's been an absolute you. pleasure uh having you on and uh, guys if you've enjoyed this special like on the video if you're watching it on youtube on catch up subscribe and if you're listening to it on the uh on the podcast or whatever leave us a nice little comment and rating until the next one from all of us here always wolves always wolves It's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates are already booked in for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, eighteen plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
2: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network.
2: TalkSport. Powered by fans.